Hello listeners, welcome to Explore FI Canada, where we sit at the round table with Canadians and share their thoughts, ideas and personal journeys to financial independence. Thanks to Matt McKeever for sponsoring Explore FI Canada. Matt is a Canadian investor, CPA, entrepreneur, and real estate expert who achieved FIRE at age 31. Do us a favor and check out his YouTube channel by searching Matt McKeever or using the link in our show notes. Before we start the show today, just a quick apology to Brendan Lee and to you, the listeners, because we had some audio issues with this recording and had to chop out a little bit of his discussion towards the end of the episode. If you miss anything or you can't hear it, please leave us a comment in the show notes and uh, we'll answer your questions. Enjoy the episode. Welcome again to the show, listeners. Explorify Canada, Money Mechanic with you and Chrissy as usual. Good morning, Chrissy. Good morning. How are you doing? Fantastic. Uh, another exciting show today. And we're going to bring on some guests, two guests. We don't usually do two guests, but we have two today. And they are the founders and creators of Passive. Chrissy, have you heard of Passive? I have, and I love the service. I don't use it myself because I don't have much at Questrade, but I, I've heard about it um, from the beginning, and I think it's a perfect service for those who do DIY investing. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that attracted me to it because I am a Quest Trade user, and I'm also a terrible spreadsheeter. I am a self-admitted <laughs> terrible spreadsheeter, and I know lots of people in the FI community love their spreadsheets, but I, you know, I try, I start them, I build them, they work for a couple of weeks, and then I kind of get, I get a little lazy with it. Plus, I get way too complicated with my ETFs. So, Passive is a service that ties in with Quest Trade really nicely, and we have the two gentlemen, the two Brandons. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, thanks for having us, uh, Mechanic. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, there are actually three of us, so um, <laughs> I'd, I'd be hard-pressed if I didn't say we had a third. Our, our Slack channel is a, is a mess, but yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you bet. We checked with you just a little bit before we got recording, so we knew how to, you know, if we said, well, Brendan, what do you think of that? We'd know who was going to reply. So uh, for the listeners, we're calling one of you Bly and one of you Wood. That works perfectly. That's how we do it in the office. That's how they do it. So we figured there'd be some confusion. But anyway, go ahead, Bly, and just sort of give us a brief introduction of what Passive is. Or maybe you can hand off who who's better at what side of, of it. I'm not sure how it all relates there, but go ahead and introduce uh, the product to the listeners. Yeah, sure. So basically, uh, we created Passive because we were following a couch potato model ETF portfolio. And just like you, Mechanic, we were using spreadsheets. And it sucked, man. Like, I totally, like... <laughs> I hated spending my Friday afternoons hiding from my boss, trying to place <laughs> trades on my Quest Trade account. Like I almost got fired at one point. No, I'm just kidding. And I, I didn't get fired, but like she did, she did ask me like, "What are you doing, Brendan?" Uh, and anyway, so like I really just hated using spreadsheets, and uh, basically we that's sort of why we created Passive, really to help do-it-yourself investors following model portfolios to automate and manage investments for themselves without having to use a spreadsheet. So that's the why behind Passive. And uh, Brendan has a bit more of a complicated uh, situation. And so maybe what you can like explain why you did it because you were actually the creator of Passive, right? Right. So Passive started as a like 50 line Python script that I wrote for myself on a weekend. And it was sort of like a similar situation where I was managing accounts at Questrade. 
And um, as my family grew, the number of accounts grew, and it just kind of got painful to manage them all together. So I had six accounts at that time, and it was just taking me like just more time than I wanted to put into it to to manage it. Yeah, I totally get that. I I only have my husband and I. Well, of course, I, my kids each had their own account and RESP. So it, it's very <laughs> it very quickly balloons into something that's very unwieldy when you have four people to manage accounts for. I think we had at our max maybe eight or nine accounts between the four of us. So it, I <laughs> I understand the pain of that because uh, I DIY invested for quite a few years and it, it's tough to manage um, and try to oversee the entire portfolio as one. It's very difficult um, unless you're really good at spreadsheets. Yeah, because it's like not super hard to do, but it's just really tedious. It's one of these things that's like a really good candidate for automating or replacing with an app. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us more about what Passive does for anyone who hasn't heard of it and isn't familiar? So basically the premise behind Passive is to help you allocate your money. And so every month you've got let's say 500 bucks coming into your account. And if you didn't have passive, you'd have to use a spreadsheet to help you figure out the underweight assets in your target portfolio, and then subsequently go on to place those trades in a question account. And so what passive does is it helps you keep your ETF portfolio balance by automatically doing the calculations and displaying the trades that you need to place at quest trade. Uh, then, you know, after launching Passive, we heard a lot of users saying, it would be great if you could actually place those trades for me. And so we we listen a lot to our users and we take feedback very seriously. And so now Passive not only shows you what calculated trades need to be placed, we actually go place those trades in your quest trade. And so all you got to do is click a button and that's it, you're done. So really you're able to keep your portfolio balanced, find the underweight assets, click a button, have those trades placed, go on about your day, watch Netflix, spend time with your family, do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful upgrade that you included in there. When I checked out the platform, I guess it was, when did you come out? Was it about two years ago? Uh, it was three years ago. Three years ago? I remember checking out near the beginning and it had uh, it had all the rebalancing options in there, but recently looking through what you've upgraded to, that that one click buy option is is definitely powerful for a lot of people. And you've also included a lot of other good features that we'll get into here uh, as we go along in the show here. Now, just in case our listeners aren't that familiar with sort of the rebalancing aspect of it, just a broad overview is, uh, you know, the couch potato type portfolio is going to say that you have a Canadian ETF, a US ETF, an international, and perhaps an emerging, let's just keep it simple with those four. And what I noticed in passive is you import that, and then you have, you can have a look at your, just call it your four ETF portfolio. And then you can set your allocations for each one. And I think this is important for the listeners to understand is that passive isn't suggesting what they should be. You're totally in control of what you want them to be. And you have what you call your drift. So if your portfolio is moving out of alignment with those, it gives suggestions. And one thing I noticed you put in now is that you have a sell suggestion, which you didn't have before. Because I imported mine and I started playing around with some of it and I turned on the cell setting. So just tell us a little bit about why you included some of the little bit more complexity into that rebalancing because before it was all sort of buy rebalancing. Yeah, so we do buy rebalancing by default and we've always done it by default just because that's the most common operation that people want to do. They're, if they're contributing on a monthly basis, you generally don't want to be selling. You just buy the underweight, right? 
So that works for probably 95% of the things you might want to do on passive. But very occasionally, you might decide that you want to change your portfolio entirely. Or maybe the markets have shifted like they did uh, with the COVID situation, and it might be time to rebalance. So uh, we pretty early on in passive, we added the option to turn on selling because that's kind of an important thing you need to do. But it is sort of buried in the options. It's, it's meant to be something that you don't turn on and leave on. Yeah. And I, th- I thought that was actually really well done because I, I saw it in here. It said, learn more. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I like the way you've created that user interface where it's, it's pretty straightforward. It clicks. You can click a little button. It drops down and says, if you want to do this, go to the group settings. And I think it's laid out very well. I didn't have any problem with your user interface. It was very easy to use. So I think you did a good job on that. Thank you. I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. And I, I think it's nice that the sell option is not automatic because a lot of times that's where you're charged right uh, most often yes. like in quest trade you're not uh, charged when you buy but when you sell you are so it's nice that you have that little stop gap so that people have to really think about it and confirm that they want to do that and um user feedback's been you know really helpful to us and so uh basically all of the features that you see in passive today be it the enabling sales to purchase our cash management feature, our reporting feature, and the ability to consolidate all of your accounts into one sort of passive account to manage them. All of this has been really released based on feedback from users. And so what we, well, what I think is really cool is that since we started passive, we've gotten like so much feedback. And I think it's been cool to see the adoption of the features that we build for users. And so like, I kind of see passive as this, like this group of DIY investors building software for other DIY investors. And so I think that's really powerful because, you know, when you build something and you put a lot of TLC in it, you want to make sure that the people actually who are requesting these features use it. And so what I like to communicate really is that, you know, as we get more users, we try to stay true to that sort of guiding uh, philosophy of building things that people actually want. And so some of the features that you see there, people have been like asking us for those features for like over a year. And we purposely did not build it because we wanted to be sure that when we spend the time and effort to build it, it's used. And so um, all this to say, we wouldn't be as, I'd say like successful or well built as a platform without the support of the users that contribute with feedback. And so I think that's really important to point out. One of the features that I've noticed in the new one here is your reporting. It's in the beta stage here in your reporting. Tell us a little bit about what you have available now for users in the reporting section. Sure. So reporting is, um, you nailed it, it's our newest feature. And it's something that people have been asking for us for a long time. And we were really hesitant to build it for years. And the reason is that when you think about the philosophy of passive investing, it's like you shouldn't really be paying that much attention to how it's going, right? <laughs> like as yeah. long as you're contributing and contributing to and like uh, allocating it appropriately and not making lots of changes, you should be fine in the long run. So why do we need reporting? But it turns out that there's more to it than just your portfolio. So um, the behavior, like your own personal behavior and your psychology of investing is probably the most important thing that you want to manage when you're trying to do this on your own. And so we designed the reporting feature around that primarily. So rather than um, showing you straight up, here's just a graph of how much money you have. The first graph we show you is here's how much money you've contributed every month over the last uh, so many months of reporting period. 
and we have a metric that tells you what your streak is. How many months have you gone in sequence without missing a contribution? So what we're trying to do with our reporting feature is like separate the things you can control from the things you can't control. You can't really control how the market performs, but you can control how you're contributing and how you're staying on target and so on. I love that. I think your goals are aligned very much with the goals of the users, which is to really do the right thing with their investing, right? Uh, try to be hands-off, try to be passive. So I think that ties right into your software and how it works. And I, I love that you've built that all in and rolled it in together. Yeah, I really liked these reporting functions once I got in there and started having a look at it. You know, in investment growth, I'm I'm a bit of a dividend guy on the other side too. So I love seeing how you broke out each of my ETFs and how the dividend history was and things like that. And I mean, that plays into a little bit of psychology too, is seeing all of that. And I think it's nicely done. It's it's not too complicated. I go through some of the other, I have another brokerage and go through some of their metrics and it gets a little into the weeds. So yeah, I think this is nice and simple. And I was super excited when I saw it a 29 month contribution streak. So that made me really happy. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Very cool. Um, now, I should also point out that like, do you want to tell them the story about how we built the asset exclusion feature? Because I think that's probably Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, which so, one's that? Uh, that's the asset ability to like exclude stock picks from your portfolio. Oh, okay. I've got one that they didn't pick up because it's a uh, private bond or it, it picks it up but it excludes it so yeah okay go ahead tell us about yeah, that so yeah so, some some assets are unsupported if it's not like a tradable security then it's something that we can't directly support and we just kind of remove it from the portfolio because that's the easiest way for us to handle it uh but in terms of in terms of the asset exclusion so like our vision from day one was like this is a tool for people to implement a model portfolio and just follow that model portfolio and do nothing else right it's irresponsible yeah. to buy pick stock <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> that, that was the philosophy from day one well, and, i got one uh, guy shaking his head and the other guy nodding his head <laughs> so we're probably about six months into uh uh, to, after starting Passive and launching it publicly. And uh, Bly says to me one day, he's like, I've got some, uh, I want to buy Disney. I'm like, what is wrong with you? What do you want to buy Disney? Just buy the index, man. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, but I really want to do it. And there's a few other stocks that I want to get as well, but I don't really want to like balance them in my portfolio. And because I want to do this, Passive just doesn't work for me, period. Right. It's like okay. as soon as, as as soon as you have a Disney stock in there and you've got your portfolio over here, passive is going to tell you your accuracy is too low because you're not on target. Or if you have sales turned on, we're going to tell you to sell all your Disney. Right. <laughs> so it, it just doesn't work for anybody who would like pick one stock or a few stocks on the side. And so that's when we realized, well, that's not really the point of the application, but we shouldn't prevent you from doing that in your account if that's what you want to do. So uh, we listened, I listened to Bly's advice and uh, we kind of hunkered down and figured out a way to remove the, like, the things that people don't want to be as part of their, their direct target or their model portfolio. I just want to add that it didn't take me alone to convince him, right? Because like <laughs> I said it, it's like, uh, man, I don't know, this goes against our philosophy, blah, blah, blah. And then we get a ton of emails from users saying, I really like it, but I, I, I need mm -hmm. to exclude some stock picks. So it was like, okay, now you're going to listen to me, right? So it's, it's, it's again, <laughs> Validation. That like, even among founders, you have this vision, but you've got to always listen to users and, and be flexible to, to change your roadmap and, and really listen to what people want. And so, again, that's been like our core guided philosophy 
since then, it's like before we build something, let's just make sure people want it. So now that I've got you both captive here as an audience, I can give you my feedback. No, actually, it's just a question because I noticed on there uh, you support Quest Trade, which is fantastic. The majority of uh, you know people interested in Fire and FI are probably using that for the free ETF buys, as we mentioned. You've also got Interactive Brokers on there, which is another Canadian brokerage. You've got TD Ameritrade, but what about some of the Canadian um, bank brokerages? I use TD for some other trading, and I know that I can use an API to get into there. And we do want to talk a little bit about security here in a second, but just a question about expanding out to some other brokerages in Canada that's in the plans. Uh, can you drop any sort of clues as how that's going to look going forward? Or? Yeah. Uh, so at least at the moment, we have no plans to work with other Canadian brokers. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, the first and probably most important reason is that we actually have an exclusive partnership with Quest Trade in Canada. So we're only going to offer it in Canada. And um, that might not be great for people who aren't with Quest Trade. But on the other hand, Quest Trade has been an excellent partner for us. And they're actually providing Passive as a free tool to their customers rather than us having to bill people $100 a year for it. So it's sort of like a win-win for us and our customers and Quest Trade as well. Um, we do support interactive brokers, but not in Canada. Ah, uh, okay. I wondered about that. Yeah, so it's only international um, accounts with them. Honestly, I think it would be cool to support other brokers, but um, even beyond the um, exclusivity agreement we have with Questrade, uh, there's no other brokers in Canada that have um, a proper API for us to work with. Oh, that's interesting because I use I've been using Wealthica for net worth tracking for a while, and I use they they API me into uh, my Questrade and my TD brokerage. But anyway, let's talk a little bit about the API side of it, because a lot of people are hesitant to give or to feel like they're giving any kind of financial information mm-hmm. online. So just, yeah, go ahead, Chrissy. Well, I was just going to say, let's let's explain what API is in the first yeah. place, because I hear that being thrown around a lot these days, yeah. because yeah. there are so many fintech apps now. So can one of you just explain what API stands for and what it means? Yeah, absolutely. So an API is an application programming interface. And it's sort of like a generic word that's used across the programming space for any sort of way of making one piece of software talk to another. So in the context that you hear about it in fintech, it usually has to do with a financial institution that's making your data available to some third-party tool to integrate. And so that generally relies on the institution that's holding your money to create this. And when they create it, you're ho- hopefully it's done in a way where it's secure, it's done in a way where um, it's easy for developers to integrate with, and so on. Um, at least in Canada, the vast majority of financial institutions don't have APIs, or at least publicly facing APIs. They have them internally, they have them for their, their own vendors, and so on, but they don't have an open API that any developer can just go and create uh, an integration with. So to contrast this with something like uh, Questrade, Questrade has an open API, and that means that if you have a Questrade account, you can just go into the developer dashboard and start writing an app. There's like there's no overhead associated with it other than just you know kind of agreeing to a few basic um, usability terms, and that's amazing. And then passive wouldn't exist if uh, we didn't have easy access to an open brokerage because, like I said, it started as a 50 line Python script that I built for myself in a weekend. And if there was more of a barrier to entry than that, it just wouldn't have happened. So to contrast with um, other institutions, like you mentioned that uh, uh, TD. TD Direct Investing, is that what you were saying, has has an integration with Wealthica? Yes. Yeah, so they do, but it's not a proper API integration from what I understand. So <laughs> Wealthica uses screen scraping tools. 
So when you oh, want to integrate okay. with um, one of these institutions that does, doesn't have a proper API, then essentially what you do is you have to give your username and password to the service like Wealthica, and then Wealthica will log into your account for you. As far as the bank is concerned, they are you. So you're kind of giving away the keys to your account. And then they scrape all of your information from it. And that, it sounds a little, a little scary, scary now. A little it, scary it, now. Yeah. <laughs> it is a little bit scary. But, you know, it's also a thing that's happening everywhere. Like you look at um, Plaid is a great example of another company doing that on like the international scale. Um, so it, it can be done legit and it can be done safely, but it's a little bit different than how most APIs work. Um, in the context of Questrade, we don't ever have access to a username or a password for a customer. Um, the way it works is when you want to connect passive to your Questrade account, you click a button and we forward you over to Questrade along with a request that says, hey, we're requesting access to these particular parts of your account. Do you want to grant this? And so you would log into your Questrade account. You're presented with the request. You can allow it or deny it. And if you allow it, we get back a token that um, gives us very restricted access to your account. Now, is that each time that you sign in to Passive that it happens, or is it a one-time thing? It's theoretically a one-time thing. Okay. Uh, in practice, occasionally things break, and you got to go re-auth, but that happens rarely, ideally. So I think the bottom line here is that it, if you set up Passive to be sort of read-only to so you can manage your own rebalancing, it's completely safe and secure as far as that connection is concerned. Yes, it's far more secure than any sort of screen scraping app. Sure, and I just want to point out, like, even with giving passive trading access, we don't like automatically do the trades without users signing off, and so we, so like, there's this sort of like conception that oh, I don't want someone just like trading on my behalf, and it's like, well, no, as a user, you have full control. We're just you're just allowing this extra permission so that you can place the trades so that uh true passes so that you don't have to log into question in places. And so um I just wanted to clarify that there's no like automatic trading without a user signing off on a trade. So therefore there's no uh, instances where people tr- automatically trading without my consent. No, it doesn't work that way. Um, users can even uh, restrict the permissions. Like so by default when you connect your Quest Trade account, uh, it's a read only permission. So there's no ability to place trades. And if you do want to place trades, then it's like a separate thing that you go and authorize later on in the process. Yeah, I've noticed that we have some users, they log in, they grant passive trading access, and then they go revoke it, activate it only. I, I find it really interesting. I mean, you can totally do it if you're ultra, like, ultra concerned about security and safety. Um, you could always toggle in between and maybe well, we should make that a bit easier for those users. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that we see for sure. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the security because, um, as you mentioned, the way that Wealthica grabs information is by logging in as you. And I've read that I think it's CDIC that won't ensure you if you are possibly using these kind of aggregators. Um, like that is one reason why I stopped using Mint because, um, yes, they, they protect you for fraud. Sometimes your bank will oft, often offer that kind of protection, but they say if you're authorizing someone else to log in as you, it may nullify the, those coverages. So uh, how does passive, I don't know if you can guarantee it, but how do you ensure that users are safe and secure when they use your service? And and, and that's sort of why we, we partner with Questrade because they basically, those same security terms and conditions that sort of applies to passes to users can use it safely and still be covered under their brokers. Um, yeah, for, from a security standpoint, like on, on our side of things, 
Um, we take it super seriously. So like we follow kind of all the standard industry standard security practices, like encrypting our database. We only use encrypted connections on our, on our like internal um, network. As far as like users going, everything's secured with um, um, HTTPS. We have two-factor authentication for people who want to take that extra level of uh, security on their account. Um, it's all very, very important to us. If you can imagine what would happen to our business if there were any sort of leak, like it's, it would be very damaging. So we, it's like the number one priority for everything we do. So as, as someone who's quite not, um, not very savvy about APIs, can you again just reiterate? So my understanding is you're saying that someone logs in on their end, but passive doesn't actually see the login info. And then it sends this token, you say, to Quest Trade, And then that's what allows the access. Is that yeah, correct? that's right. So okay. users never enter their brokerage credentials on passive. We okay. always direct you to your brokerage. You log in there. And then the broker says, passive is requesting access. Do you want to give it to them or no? And if yes, then yeah, we get a token, which is essentially like a very long randomized string. And it's, it's kind of like a password, I guess, but it's, it has very limited permissions. And it only allows us to access your account through the API according to the permissions that you've granted. Great. If you're like most of us, getting life insurance is something you know you should do, but you never seem to get around to it. You're right, Chrissy. Now there's a better way to buy life insurance. It's called Policy Me, and I think our listeners will love it. More than 37,000 Canadians have already used Policy Me for their life insurance quotes. Yeah, I've actually tried it myself, and in less than 10 minutes, I received a selection of quotes from reputable, established insurers. It's fast, free, easy to use, and no pressure. Sounds great. I heard PolicyMe uses intelligent technology and personalized advice that recommends what you need, but not a penny more. You could save hundreds of dollars per year on your policy as top insurers compete for your business. Protect your family. Get your personalized quote today at explorifycanada.ca forward slash PolicyMe. So you've got two account structures, the community and the elite. And as a Questrade member, I was uh, automatically signed up for the elite. Can you just explain what the differences are between the two and the advantages? Oh, yeah, sure. So the the community basically just gives you the free trades. Sorry, the calculated trades. So you can see what trades needs to be placed at Questrade or any broker to keep your portfolio balance. Uh, and that's pretty pretty much it. Uh, in terms of the elite, you can use one-click trades, link multiple brokerage accounts, um, basically use multi-account portfolios. So that feature allows you to take all of your accounts and group them into one holistic portfolio and manage it as one. And so, like, what we try to do is, like, offer some replacement for spreadsheet without letting someone have to pay a fee. But if you need some of these more heavy features, then you can use Elite that supports us. It allows us to continue building more features. And um, yeah, it gives you what you need if, you're, if you've got a very like, complicated space. And that, um, that bonus that comes with the Quest Trade, is that a one-year offer or is that to be determined uh, as moving forward? Or Because it was $99 if... Uh, before, I believe it was the pricing, right, for the Elite? That's right. So it'll, it's, a, it's an introductory offer. We are hoping that we can make it exclusive and, like, you know, on an ongoing basis. And that's something we'll be talking to the folks who question about. 
Um, so that's why I'm very hesitant to say right now because I don't want to set the expectation that we yep. continue making it available. But that's sort of what I'd like. Yeah, Obviously, fair enough. So, um, I was just in reference to see, I saw some comments online about it being, oh, it's only for one year, this and that. And just to clarify for listeners that it, it is an introductory offer and then we'll see going forward. So I, I've been, you know, I think one of the things that uh, all of us in the FI community are really, we push back against anything that's going to cost us money. But when you understand the value of it and the time savings, maybe it makes sense. And having used passive here with the elite functions. And as I said before, I'm not great at tracking my quest trade ETS. So <laughs> uh, I can definitely see some time value in it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because we see people using passive with the one fund ETF. And it's like, well, why would you use passive <laughs> if it's just for the one fund ETF? And it's yeah. like, well, um, these users have multiple accounts that so they hold the one fund ETF in, they've got cash coming in all the time. So it's like, even just holding the one fund ETF, you still have to log in for each account, place a trade. And um, yeah, it's not, it's, it's something that I And, you know, once you get beyond a certain threshold, I, but for me, I, I say it's like 50K. Some folks say over 100,000, it makes sense to like manage them as one. But uh, yeah, I think even if we want fund ETF holders, it at some point, they're going to be like, well, why don't I just hold these ETFs, the underlying ETFs in the one fund myself and save on the spread for that, those basis points just for rebalancing? Like, I kind of find it is weird that, oh, that someone be charged like a scaling for rebalancing for the rest of the year when it's, it's like, really, do you really need that anymore? How much value are you adding to a client by just charging them up? Scaling through balance. So, like, uh, yeah, all in one fund, people use this. So it's just really wild. So, I just want to clarify then essentially, anyone in Canada will get passive for free right now because the only way you can access it is through Quest Trade, and Quest Trade offers it for free. So, it's, it's right. basically free to anyone who's in Canada. So, it's a win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So, my question is uh, about the rebalancing because uh, there are different philosophies when it comes to rebalancing. I think Larry said Swedro is famous for promoting one type of rebalancing. Um, like there's certain thresholds that he recommends. And I think Canadian Couch Potato also has slightly different ones and they also recommend uh, Larry Swedro. So how do you uh, integrate that in and can users set the amounts that they want to rebalance by? Like, how does that work? The default way that passive works, like we were saying earlier, is like buy only. And it's sort of like designed around the expectation that you're going to be contributing on a monthly basis or whatever. So the default way that you rebalance with passive is continuously. Mm -hmm. um, for the first uh, three years that I was using passive as a personal tool and as like a proper tool, um, I, I never had to do a full rebalance that involved selling because I was contributing enough that any ebbs and flows of the market would just balance out, you know, from the contributions. So it was really only with the market crash a few months ago that like shifted everything enough that it was like, okay, I'm at a balance by like 7% here. Maybe I should rebalance. And the thing that triggered me to rebalance was uh, this, this feature we had called uh, drift notifications. So it, 
It's uh, something that you can configure for your own account. By default, it's set to 95% and in terms of like your portfolio accuracy, where 0% means you're like not holding anything you said you want to hold in your target. And 100% means you're perfectly on target. So if you're dropped to 95%, you're down, you're off by 5%. And uh, that's the default threshold. So that, that email triggered back when the market was shifting a few months ago and it sent me a message saying, hey, your accuracy is below the threshold. Why don't you log in and decide if you want to rebalance? I love that. That makes it so easy because when I used to do it, I had a spreadsheet and I had to just gauge for myself. And it was a headache really, because I'd have to look at each asset class and decide, okay, how far off am I? And it was a nightmare um, when I decided to just uh, change up my asset allocation. I wanted to add small cap value. And that was just, it, it sent me into a tailspin because it changed the percentages of everything. And it took a lot of work to figure out how much I needed to sell, how much to buy. And because they were also spread amongst so many accounts, I couldn't figure out a better way to do it other than just tediously manually going through each account. So I, I wish Passive was there for me back then because it would have saved so much time. But well, we're here now. You just have to yeah. move everything to Questrade, right? I know, yeah. I do. <laughs> Well, I think one of the, the nicest features is so many people, like you said, are the, the buy process, we're all in the accumulation stage and you're funneling money in there every month and you get the money shows up there and you're like, huh, where do I put this? <laughs> yeah. And being able to have that reference or going or using going through passive, it'll tell you exactly what to buy, like down to the share. I think that uh, it helps a lot of DIY people that are that want to be DIY, but are still a little intimidated by the whole process. Uh, we actually found, um, so... We were talking about like what features people tend to like the most. And like the one-click trade thing is by far the number one feature where people do it. And they're like, holy moly, you just placed like 10 trades in four seconds. That's a, that's incredible, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like a really feel-good feeling for people. Um, another one that gets this sort of like wow moment out of people is the cash notification. So one of the first things that we built into the app after launching it was um, the ability to detect when new cash or dividends hits your account. And we fire off an email to you as soon as we see it. And it seems like a really simple thing, you know, like, because uh, that really is such a valuable feature. But um, I'm not aware of any brokerages that tell you when uh, you receive dividends or when your cash is actually available to trade in your account. And that, for me personally, was a big deal because with six accounts and holding multiple assets in each, I'd probably be receiving dividends four or five times a month and new cash coming in, like, you know, it would be sent from my account on a certain day, but who knows? It takes one day, maybe three days to actually appear in the account. And this thing would just say, it's time to come in and allocate your money. Wow. And that's that's um, kind of like a game changer rather than having to like log in every day and just see, like, do I have my cash yet? Is it there yet? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's all in your notifications there along with the drift there. I think that is a, a big mm-hmm. help. Well, I was going to say another benefit of passive then clearly is it helps to take away the emotional side of things because it automates so much of it and it makes it, very much a numbers game where it's very black and white. Is it time to trade, time to sell? You can see it right off the bat. So I think that is a huge benefit to DIY investors, especially those who are more more prone to emotional decisions. Aren't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I will say that I did go down a bit of a rabbit hole on when I'm looking at my uh, portfolio page here. Down at the bottom, you've got a link to Portfolio Visualizer, which I hadn't used before, but I got lost in there for like an hour because it's, oh, no. it's, it's a separate tool, but you've linked to it. And it's pretty cool. You can run back testing on existing portfolio. Christy, you're looking at me like you've never heard of this. Before. No. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> I'll link you to it so you can just go play with it. This is like a money nerd's dream come true. 
true. <laughs> so t- tell me more. Explain more. Yeah, why'd you guys link to it? Why you put it in there? What's going on? Uh, so we, like from a product development standpoint, we don't really like to link in third-party applications very much because it just turns into like kind of a hodgepodge of disorganization. But Portfolio Visualizer like blew my mind the first time I used it. Yeah. I was like, this is an amazing tool. I wish we could have this baked into the product, but like, can you imagine the amount of effort that went oh. into building this? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. The number of metrics that it goes through for everything is crazy. Yeah, it's a very impressive piece of software. And after using it for a little while, I realized that like when you enter a portfolio there, um, it modifies the URL. And so you can actually generate these URLs and input portfolios um, sort of automatically. So that's mm-hmm. when we said, okay, we have to link this in passive and we're going to you know, basically use uh, the individual's target portfolio to generate a link so that you can backtest it with just a click of a button on Portfolio Visualizer. And it works really well. And then once you're in there, now well, you can add other things you want to benchmark it against and so on. Oh, cool. So I have a question out of curiosity. Have you built in any features that you've gotten rid of because you realized it didn't work or people weren't using it? Uh, there's there's one feature that we we were we almost uh, deleted a few months ago, and I just don't think we ever actually got around to it. Um, and like people ask for it occasionally, but I'm not sure many people are actually using it as the thing. So uh, a, like our, our target audience, um, like people who use passive, it has a really high proportion of software engineers. Oh. Um, it's not intentional. I think there just might be some like nerd factor involved in like, <laughs> yeah. you know, being into managing your own money. Um, so there are a lot of software engineers who use passive. Some of them, have their own like they might want to do like a balanced fund investing style like we do with passive but they also might want to adjust their targets more often or they want to like pull the data into like a separate reporting tool or something right and so they've we had some people basically trying to like reverse engineer our api and like try to use it for their own purposes and after the first three or four times that happened we're like we have this api why don't we just like let them generate their own tokens for it and go with it right so we we enabled an api and like made certain endpoints public so that people could um just write their own tools for it and we had that live for about a year and after like talking to users about it we found that it was actually creating more confusion than anything else because it's right there on your settings page and it's like do you want to enable the api and people are like well aren't you using the api to talk to my question (laughs) i was like well it's a different api it's not the same api right (laughs) Yeah, and then we looked at the actual usage, and like basically nobody was using it. So it was like a month or two ago that we were like, "Yeah, we should probably turn that off." But um, just yesterday, a guy emailed out of the blue and was like, "Can I use your API?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, maybe we shouldn't turn it off. Just hide it a little better or something." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have a tutorial for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just seeing that here in uh, in the settings right now. I'm having a look at it, and I would have not even known what that is. So yeah. that's safe with me. But I also just noticed above that we didn't mention at all that you do have. Uh, second factor authentication ability as well. So that may be important for people from a, a security standpoint. Yes, we do. So it's a SMS-based two-factor authentication, uh, which is a good first step. That was like um, our first attempt at two-factor authentication. And um, we intend on improving it with more secure forms in the future. So like SMS is good. It's convenient. It's definitely more secure than not having it. Uh, but it's not the same as having like a cryptographic token on your phone, which is like the next iteration. I was going to ask about that because the issue I find with SMS notifications is if I'm traveling and my cell phone isn't with me because it doesn't work in the country I'm in, I can't access my account if it's requiring that. So I'll be locked out. So it'd be great if you can integrate different form of two-factor authentication. 
Absolutely. That's that's the goal. We we have people occasionally that email us like, "Hey, I'm not getting my uh, my code. Why is that?" Right? And then we you know open up a support ticket and we look into it. And like after going back and forth with with, with them for them an hour, they're like, "Oh, actually, I'm on a boat in the middle of the Pacific." And it's like, well, I don't know. So I do have one question to to dive into more detail about the buy function because um, Canadian Couch Potato really teaches you to purchase at the is it the ask price so that your order goes through right away? So how does that work? If you you automate that, does it does your uh, does passive look at what the ask price is and then it sets it at that? Like how how exactly does it work? Because you said it's just one click, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's um, the, the default way that it works is we do use market orders. Um, so whatever the ask price is, that's what you're going to get filled at, unless you buy so much that you're like bumping the price up or something like that, right? Um, so Market orders, they're, they fill instantaneously, and that works really well for the most people. Um, we have had people asking us for limit orders for a long time. And personally, I don't really, I don't really get limit orders. I, I, you know, I, get, I get why they're important and they exist and people use them. But for me personally, like I, I, I'm not particularly interested in using them. I generally buy ETFs that are like really liquid. So um, it's not like there's too much risk of a flash crash or something like that happening. And it's super easy and it works well. So. Um, we did actually listen to the feedback on limit orders, though. We had enough people asking for it that eventually we're like, you know what, let's just enable this way of doing it. But the problem with it is that the user experience would end up being that much worse if you had people manually typing in every um, price that they want to execute at. And then if they accidentally entered a price that was a non-marketable limit order, meaning something that's um, below um, the ask price, so, you know, Someone's offering a stock at $100 and you say, I'm going to buy it for $99. Well, your order is not going to get filled. And our one-click trade interface is sort of based around the expectation that the orders execute quickly. And in fact, as a safety feature, if uh, we go more than, I think it's 20 seconds without being able to fill your order, we bail out on the whole thing. We just cancel all the orders we had queued up and we're like, no, we're just not going to do it because it might not get like something's off clearly, like the price is wrong or whatever, right? So when we were building this limit orders feature, we're like, well, you know, we can't let people place non-marketable orders because that would kind of throw off the entire flow of the system and it defeats the whole purpose. You know, like who wants to place an order and then come back two hours later and realize it didn't get filled. That's Mm -hmm. not really the point. Right. So the way we do it instead is we allow you to set like one global setting that says like, I'm willing to pay a premium of this many percent on any um, stock or ETF that I want to buy, or, you know, like a premium when you buy or, or a premium when you sell, whatever it works kind of both ways. And that works really well. So if you put in a premium of like a tenth of a percent, I mean, you're, it's basically the same thing as a limit, as a uh, market order, except that you have a hard cap on how much you're willing to pay in case there is a, a you know spike or a crash or something like that. Okay, so that is a setting that you can select and pass it. Yes. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. I now I'm confused because I was trained by Canadian Couch Potato to always use limit orders, always, 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 and so I. I've never really used market orders, but it makes sense why you would do it that way. It, that that ensures the order just goes through at the current price, and that's what you want. You just want it done, and you want it to be over so that you're not thinking about it and agonizing over the price. That's right, yeah. Wrap up, Chrissy? Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Now, would, would either of you like to discuss anything that we haven't brought up yet? Perfect. We hit every point. <laughs> I know. You went through kind of like every important bit there. Well, I, before we wrap up, I would like to point out something that this is 
a completely Canadian company and we love supporting Canada. So can you tell us a little bit more about where you're based? Because I think that's pretty cool that you're not in one of the major cities in, in Canada. Absolutely. Uh, we are based in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and it is a gorgeous city. I'm personally from Newfoundland. I grew up in Newfoundland. Maybe you can hear a little bit of the accent in my voice. No, nope. uh, I, moved... <laughs> oh, I love okay. the accent, but I can't hiding hear. it very well. Then <laughs> you are. Yeah, so I moved here for uh, university um, when I was 18, and I liked the city so much that I decided to stick around. So now I have a family here and um, an extended family in the province, which is wonderful. And it's uh, really a wonderful place to live. So um, we, I personally kind of had like no interest of, of doing this elsewhere. We, we often get people saying like, well, why aren't you in Toronto? Isn't mm-hmm. that where you'd want to be? Why don't you move to San Francisco and raise some money, right? <laughs> and, you know, I, I did the San Francisco thing years ago. Like I, I was down there for about half a year with the company I was working for. And it's a really nice place, but it's a very different place. And uh, I kind of prefer my little side of the world here. Yeah, I've heard Fredericton is a bit of a tech hub. Is, is that true? Is it growing? It is, yeah, it, it, it actually is. And you might not know it without having like kind of heard this, these success stories from the area, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Uh, it very much is. It's um, uh, We have like a very strong computer science program at the university here. And a lot of the people who study here end up staying here. So there's like a, a really strong software community in the area. And, you know, entrepreneurship in general is a, a very popular activity. There you go. Coast to coast on Explorify Canada. <laughs> we are. That's why we're recording in the morning so that it's not like midnight for you guys. <laughs> we really appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're happy to. <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, an absolute pleasure having you both on the show. Thanks so much for telling us more about Passive and why it's valuable for all the Quest Trade users out there in our FI community. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll keep on tabs with that. I'm a user now, so I'll be uh, following along and keeping my portfolio more balanced than I used to. I'm way out of balance, which is quite funny. After I did it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to have to be throwing some a little extra coins in there to rebalance because I don't want to do any selling. But uh, right on. Wood, any parting comments? I just wanted to thank you both for having us. Uh, we really appreciate it. It's always great to have a conversation about like, you know, the origin of the product and like the things we had to think about when building it to try to like make it a unique tool that kind of fits the vision and the thing we're trying to do. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, your, your product aligns very well with the fire community. So um, I, even though I'm not a user, I'm happy to promote it because I think it works great. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not, <laughs> I'm invested with my financial planner. So, but if I, if I went back to DIY investing, I'd be hundred percent on board with passive. It's great. Come on, Chrissy. We'll make you open up a Questrade account with one fund in there just so we can, <laughs> yeah. just so we can get your feedback. I should. Yeah, just to tinker <laughs> around with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks again. Uh, we will catch all you listeners on the next episode of Explore FI Canada. Hey, listeners. We hope you enjoyed this interview with Brennan and Bly from Passive. If you'd like to support us in creating more great content like this, here's a free way to do that. Sign up for Passive by visiting exploreficanada.ca forward slash Passive. It won't cost you a thing. And in return, you'll get access to Passive Elite totally free. Happy investing. Thanks for listening. If you've been getting value from our content, please support us in the following ways. One, leave us a review and subscribe in your favorite podcast player. Two, tell your friends and family about us. Three, use our referral links at exploreficanada.ca forward slash recommendations. All of our show notes can be found at exploreficanada.ca. You can also find us at our own blogs, figarage.ca or eatsleepbreathefi.com. 
Today's episode was edited and mixed by Max Desmarais, with episode transcripts provided by Otter.ai.